Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hey there, you're listening to The Bustle Huddle. I'm your host, Caitlin Aber. Welcome back to part two of our series on motherhood. Last week, we discussed the unexpected challenges of conceiving a child. And this week, we're talking about what happens after you have a kid. So, as I mentioned last week, when I think about motherhood and becoming a mom myself, these are the things I'm worried about. I'm worried about not being able to balance my career responsibilities with my mom responsibilities. I'm worried about my identity changing and becoming a different person that I don't recognize. And I'm worried about society just judging me for being a mom. Today's guests include New York Times reporter Claire Kane Miller, writer E.J. Dixon, and the mother of all advice columnists, Dear Sugar herself, and New York Times bestselling author Cheryl Strayed. Motherhood I'm on the fence about. Something that you choose only if you're ready. I'm like looking forward to motherhood, maybe even more so than marriage. Not interested. Unsubscribe. Hard pass. Having to pour most of your livelihood into a little fledgling half version of you. When I find the right person, I think that I would want to have children with them. I far prefer the idea of being an aunt, like counseling and taking them to like Burger King and stuff. So a big part of my hesitation around motherhood is that I know it will change my career. I mean, how could it not? The lack of maternity leave policies, the social stigma around motherhood, and just the time commitments alone seem like an impossible balancing act. And as it turns out, at this point in my life, if I were to have a kid, there's no indication my career would ever recover. Claire Kane Miller is a reporter for The New York Times who covers gender and the future of work. Claire recently wrote a story about why women who become first-time mothers between the ages of 25 and 35 have the hardest time closing the pay gap. She joined us via Skype to explain more. Basically, the gender pay gap opens up the minute a woman has a kid. A lot of the reasons that there used to be a pay gap, that women were paid so much less than men, have gone away. For example, now women go to college in greater numbers. They're likely to work in high-earning professions that used to be only men. Um, So a lot of those things have sort of disappeared. But what's left is motherhood. So now we know that as soon as a couple has a baby, the woman starts getting paid significantly less. And this new study that I wrote about shows that if a woman has a baby between the ages of 25 and 35, that that pay gap is larger and that it never recovers um, basically for the rest of her life. Of course, the problem is that 25 to 35 is when most people have babies. Yeah, that seems like almost like a dirty trick that those two things coincide. So... 
What are the things that in those 10 years, it's not possible if you have good during then to close that gap? One reason seems to just be that 25 to 35 is not only when most people have babies, but it's also sort of your prime career building years. It's the years when you're getting promotions and you're getting basically to where you ultimately want to go. And so kids just take a lot of time. And we know that women still do the majority of the childcare, even in you know, super equal couples where both members of the couple work full time, women still do more of it. Employers also assume they will. And so women sometimes don't get promoted or don't get paid as much, even if they are working. This doesn't seem to impact men in the same way, though. For men between 25 and 35, if they have kids, doesn't cause them to make less money, right? No. In fact, some research has shown that it actually causes them to make more. So there's the motherhood pay penalty. There's also what's called a fatherhood bonus, which is bosses not even necessarily realizing it. When a man has a baby, they think, oh, he's very responsible now. He is a breadwinner for his family. He's going to work harder than ever. So we're going to give him a raise. And the opposite thing happens to women, which is obviously extremely unfair. A lot of women before they're 25 are like, I'm not ready to have a kid. And then they worry that after 35 is too late. Is there any way that we can like make this 10-year age range easier for women? Yeah, that's very true. One reason that people think that there might be less of a pay gap after 35 is simply because if you wait to start till after 35, you're more likely to only have one kid. So it's not about discouraging women from having babies from 25 to 35. In fact, a lot of doctors would say, if you want to have babies, please do try during that time. Some of the ways that women can help not get a pay gap if they have babies during this time are to keep working. A lot of people take some time off for a few years. And while that makes a lot of sense because childcare is expensive, our economy is really not set up to help women get back into work easily if they take a break. People really frown on resumes if there are big gaps. And that's not necessarily fair, but it's it's the way it works. So not leaving is part of it. Um, also, just not taking super long maternity leaves. If you are lucky enough to get, you know, three to six months, that's great. Again, if you take a year, it looks like a big gap in your resume. I mean, that just sounds kind of frustrating to say like, well, if you didn't do this, you wouldn't be suffering financially for it for the rest of your life. It's really hard and it's really unfair. I know that some companies are starting sort of ramp back to work programs that help women who have taken time out of the labor force that are recognizing that it's not just about maternity leave. It's not just those three months when you're recovering from childbirth and when your baby is nursing all the time. It continues to be a lot of work for the next 18 years. It's not like it ends after three months. And so there are a lot of companies that are doing things to sort of ease the way back to work, like you can come back three days a week instead of five. Or if you travel a lot for work, they have breast milk shipping services for if you pump on business trips. Um, so there are a lot of things like that that I think are really important to recognize that women want to keep a foot in the labor force, but that they also have these responsibilities. But it doesn't necessarily do much to change the perception of mothers and their availability at work, right? So is there a change we need to make on a social level that we can work on within ourselves and within, you know, our communities and our work cultures to help make a change so that 
workplaces are more accepting of mothers? Absolutely. I mean, if you just read the economics papers, you would come away thinking the solution is never mention your kids, don't put up pictures of your babies, make sure that no one knows you have them. But I don't think that's a good way to do it. In fact, I try to do the opposite at work. I try to talk about my kids and make sure that people know that, yeah, I have this other responsibility and I still have a big job and that's okay and you can do that too. It's really a change in the culture. Some things help that help are having women at the top of companies and parents at the top of companies involved dads too being in in executive positions but especially women um, so that other younger women can can see and know they have someone to relate to i know it's made a big difference for me when i've had bosses that have children i think having that understanding that people do have responsibilities outside of work and it's not just babies it's also elder care and other things um, that people need to do and making workforces that are flexible and allow for that Another big cultural change is just men being more involved. When fathers do half the work, that means that mothers can continue to do um, other things besides childcare. Um, When male executives are really involved parents, that means that they understand that their employees are likely to want to be involved parents too. When men take paternity leave and actually use it, which most men don't even when it's offered, then they are paying the same penalty as women and it becomes just a normal thing that people do as opposed to something that women do. Um, So I really don't think we're going to see any of these changes unless men start changing too. Is there any difference in your research when it came to same-sex couples? So I just did a story on this. Um, I was very interested to know because a lot of this comes down to gender norms, right? So what happens if there's two women or two men? And what I found was, um, I thought, very interesting and a little bit discouraging. So it was that same-sex couples share household labor much, much more equally than opposite-sex couples before they have kids. Once kids arrive, though, they really fall into more traditional roles, meaning one is the breadwinner spending more hours um, at work outside the home, and one is the primary caregiver spending more hours on work inside the home. And I think it really speaks to the fact that our economy in the United States is just not set up for two-income families. It's like most families have two people working now, but our workplaces are still stuck in the 1950s. And what I did learn from same-sex couples is that the way they're happiest is if they're communicating about this all the time. I even interviewed some who had been married to men and now they're married to women. And they say they're doing the exact same amount of household labor, but it feels more fair now because they're talking with their wife about it all the time. And she's saying, thank you. And I recognize it. Um, So I thought those were some tips that could apply to hetero couples too. So what I'm hearing you say is that if you want to have a kid and you're between the ages of 25 and 35, you should do it and be proud of it and make sure you have a supportive partner who is also doing it and being proud of it at their job. That's right. Do it and be proud of it. Talk to your boss. Make clear to your boss that you intend to work the amount you do, which is saying, I'm going to come back from maternity leave and I'm going to work as hard as I do now, or I'm going to come back and I need to go down to three days a week. And in a couple years, I'll be able to ramp back up and I need you to make this work. You know, asking for that kind of flexibility, owning that you have these responsibilities at home, but that you also are committed to your responsibilities at work and absolutely have really deep conversations with your husband or your partner about what it's going to look like when you go back to work after maternity leave and how you're going to divide those jobs. I've heard a lot of people say that mothers are the most productive employees they have because they really prioritize how they spend their time at work. That's super helpful. Thank you so much. Really appreciate your time and the work that you're doing. 
Thanks for having me on. You can find Claire on Twitter at ClaireCM. After talking to Claire, we were curious about millennial women's thoughts on if there's a right time to start a family. So we took to the streets of New York to find out. I actually don't really know if there are ideal circumstances. Probably, say, late 30s. Probably ownership of a home. Like a very healthy relationship where I know like both people were fit to raise a kid. Me learning how to drive. From an emotional standpoint and understanding who I am as a person. You know, having a job first would be ideal before having kids. And I would definitely like to be in a marriage for quite some time. A really loving and safe and stable environment. I know it's important to my parents. They've said they want grandchildren. So, uh, But for myself personally, I'm not quite sure yet. Okay, it's easy to speculate what motherhood would be like, especially the hard parts. What I probably need to do is sit down with a mom who's kind of like me to see what it would actually be like. Earlier this year, E.J. Dixon wrote a stirring piece for Bustle about the reason so many young women, just like you and me, think motherhood is going to suck. And why we're probably right about that. So I thought, who better to talk to than E.J.? She was kind enough to open her home to the Bustle Huddle team and also get her mom on the mic for a second opinion. I was pretty... um naive about it. I sort of imagined myself as like this hit media mogul, like Brooklyn parent. Like I would go to meetings and I would be breastfeeding and I would be like texting at the same time. I thought that it would be very manageable. And I also, I think part of me assumed that given how far women have progressed, that this was not something that we really had to deal with anymore. If you're not a parent, like you don't really think about parents. <laughs> I did not consider moms as in the same species as me. Like it was just two totally separate camps. Mm-hmm. But um, I guess the other side of that would be my mother, who's about as good a role model for motherhood as you can have. Well, that's interesting that you say that about your mom because a big part of the piece is like that she surprised you by saying that she wished she hadn't worked while she was raising you. Yeah, I mean, the reason why it blew me away so much is because the fact that she worked while she raised two kids is precisely the reason why I admire her so much. And she did it without really making it seem hard. Like, even looking back, even knowing that she said that and she had regrets, I just can't imagine that. And I'm the same way. I respect stay-at-home mothers a lot, but that that's not a lifestyle that would work out for me. Why do you feel that way? Be- I- because it's just a character trait. It's the same yeah. reason why I can't imagine my mom doing it. Like, Mm -hmm. I would just go crazy. But at the same time, it's so hard. Walk me through, like, a typical day for you. I mean, I'll get up at, like, 7.30. You know, Will, my husband and I will do the morning negotiation of who gets to shower first, who gets to bring the bottle first, who gets to leave first. Then we wait for the nanny because I'm lucky enough to have a nanny. Then I go to work. And then, depending on the day, if my husband has to work late, I'll come home early and we switch off. What's early? Uh, before 6, 5.15, 5.20. Is that when you leave the office or when you get home? Uh, when I leave the office, which is another big change that I had to make because that is not something that I did. How do you feel like your coworkers respond to that? I worry about it all the time. <laughs> I worry about it all the time. Nobody has ever said anything to me because everybody is incredibly supportive, but obviously it's a thing that's in the back of your head. Like, oh, you know, she has a kid. She's leaving early I have an incredible job that, I mean, I work with incredibly supportive people. The circumstances are really good for me, and yet I come home and I feel totally depleted every night. 
I'm consumed with anxiety about like not being able to do the things that I want to be able to do eventually. Like, like what? Uh, like I would like to write a book. Am I going to be able to find the time to do that? If I'm lucky enough to like have the time to write a manuscript or come up with a pitch or get an agent, if, if all the things fall into place, then what then? Like, am I going to be able to promote it? Am I going to feel like I lose out on time with him as a result of that? It's just a push-pull between two different poles, regardless of how well everything else in my life is going. It's You inevitably have to give something up. Do you think that there's any way around that? I think that we don't have nearly the infrastructural support in place. But I mean, in addition to the infrastructural support, which is necessary and we need it, I think that it's not the only solution. There are There is a lot of cultural baggage that we need to get rid of before it can be easier for mothers in this country. The judgment that we place on mothers and the expectations that we have on mothers is in, are insane. What are some of the things that you stress out about or that you think other women might stress out about about being a mom in this country? Everything. <laughs> Something I didn't realize that I, I was very naive about is that when you become a mother, you are judged for absolutely everything you do to yourself and to your child. Every decision you make, whether it be what you give them for lunch or, you know, whether you put a hat on them when they go outside uh, to bigger things like breastfeeding or, you know, co-sleeping or you are judged for absolutely everything. And that uh, is a lot. <laughs> That's a lot to handle because I think there's this narrative that when you become a mother, you essentially sacrifice your own identity in the service of your child. And that's not something that I personally subscribe to or think is healthy for women at all, but it's prevails and it permeates absolutely every decision that you make about your child and yourself and your own life. People judge you for everything when you become a mother. So when you wrote the piece, I wanted to know, some of the responses that you got, some of the feedback, what it made you think about? Yeah, the, I will say the vast, vast, vast majority of it was supportive and it felt really amazing to get that. What really bothered me was there were a few people who, um, actually a lot of people who were very defensive and were like, I don't want to have kids, fuck you for judging me. And that literally couldn't have been the further, like the furthest point from the piece. I mean, just because someone chooses to have a child or just because someone chooses to not have a child isn't a reflection of, like, how valid your personal choice is. But a lot of people feel that way. How do we as women, how can we better support each other's personal choices? That's a really good question. And I, I should say that my instinct that I try really hard to resist is always to be that mom. Like, come join the fold. And I think the reason why that is, is because both sides are ultimately really lonely and want validation for the choices that they've made because it is such a charged choice and our culture doesn't make it any easier to make it. I think that with that in mind, the one thing that women can do to support each other is practice empathy. You know, understand that they don't want to be alone in the choices that they make and they might have their own set of regrets and they might have things about your life that they're envying um, and you might feel the same way about them. It's such a stupid, simple answer, but it's something that I think is really lacking in our culture in general and especially between women. Again, you talked about your mom a lot in this piece and we want to actually talk to your mom as well. But before we do that, I just wanted to ask you 
after writing this, do you feel like you and your mom are closer? No. Uh, sorry. I, I've always been very close to my mom. Um, but she liked the piece. She said she thought it was good. The main thing that she said was like, you millennials think you're so special. Like women have been dealing with these questions for years. And she's right. You know, she's absolutely right. But that was like, that was the main thing that she said. And I thought it was funny. Yeah. All right, well, then why don't we invite her in? Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Toby, I'm EJ's mom. So Toby, when EJ told you she was pregnant, what was your like immediate advice that you had for her about her life? It's gonna change totally. That's not gonna be her own anymore. And I guess what I tell her, it's not her own. And how do you think she's doing, like balancing work and raising Saul? I think she's a workaholic, but I think she's doing just fine. And I think, I, and I'll talk to her, I think she has to learn how to better manage and to have priorities. And that's, this is where the conundrum is. Your child is your priority. You just have to learn to put the, I'd say put the pen down, but put the computer down <laughs> sometimes because he comes first. A lot of what EJ said is that she learned this from watching you, that she learned that she wanted to work a lot because you worked a lot. Yeah, but I think that's more of like a character trait that we both have in common than like mom's work, you know? What? Like that you work, you're, you're a super hard worker. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so I, I yeah. But the thing yeah, that you haven't it. learned that I've learned is that I, I can multitask. I can do a million things. Yes, that's true. So that's what you have to figure out, too, is how to get all this done. Because you can do it all. It's not easy, but you can do it all. I guess what I just wanted to say is that I I learned my work ethic from her, like 100%, but I did not learn about how to be a good mother from her because she is 100% a better mother than me. No. Okay, thank you. All right. Oh. I mean, I, I think that that's a really wonderful thing to say. Like, in what way was she such a great mother to you? I, because I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Like, she's right. Like, I, I don't know what I'm doing. Um, but I, I don't think any mother does. Like, I'm sure, you know, that no, you didn't know I what didn't, you were doing. I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah, when you first had me. And it's constant struggle. But uh, I never really got the sense growing up that she found it difficult to balance the two. It's, I think you hit that from us pretty well. Well, that's good. <laughs> what's some advice you want to give her right now? Like, what's the most important piece of advice you'd tell EJ? Just, he comes first. That's the most important thing. He comes first. You and your sister always came first. There was never a show we missed. There was never a game we missed. 
Yeah, I mean, I think that's so. that's why I was so surprised by what you said that prompted, you know, this piece about how you wish that you had stayed home because you I don't remember you not being present. That's good you don't remember that I wasn't present because, I mean, you were in school a lot of the time, but it's more complicated than that. It's the work thing. It's rushing home to meet the babysitter thing. It's having mommy friends through, you know, meeting the, the other mommies in school that I didn't have that I would have liked to have, doing the school things, whatever the PTA kind of things is. I would have liked that to be more of the part of the community. So it's a complicated, it's a, it's a very complicated thing. And I know that, you know, there are things that I didn't do career-wise because I couldn't. I just, you know, I couldn't. I probably missed out opportunities, but somebody had to. And in our family, my husband's earning potential was higher than my earning potential. So it was a no-brainer. You know, we're partners. That's how you run a family. Any regrets? (laughs) I regret, I mean, sometimes I, well, sometimes I I regret it. You know, I am like semi-retired. I freelance now. I worked, you know, 32 years pretty much nonstop. And like everybody else, my business got sold and I made the decision that I had enough and I didn't want any more of corporate life. So I had some friends that I was looking forward to hanging out with, but what happens? They took the other route. They waited until their kids grew up and then they went back to work. Maybe that's a good way of doing it. What advice or wisdom would you have as somebody, as a grandmother, for somebody who's like on the fence about having children right now? I mean, I can't tell you to want a child if you don't want a child, but if you're thinking about having a child, it's the greatest thing in the whole world. And your job is not going to love you. Your job is not going to take care of you. A job is a job. That's the first time I've ever heard you say that me and Sammy care about you. I know you care about <laughs> That's me. That's the first time I've ever heard you say that. I know you care about me. Okay. <laughs> I mean, you should, you should, we do. But I've never heard you say it out loud. Well, I, I know you do. I mean, if I die, you'd be devastated. <laughs> <laughs> thank you both so much. Um, I've learned a lot. And EJ, again, thank you for writing this brilliant piece. You can find EJ on Twitter at EJ Dixon. All of these conversations have been great, but if I'm being honest, I still don't have an answer. And sometimes I feel like a part of me, the mom gene, might be missing. Maybe I'll never really know, and therefore I'll never make a decision on what I want to do. So I turn to the one person who always has an answer. A woman who has gotten me through so many tough times and means so much to so many of us here at Bustle. One of my personal heroes, the author and penultimate advice giver, Cheryl Strayed. I think that the first thing I would say to anyone deciding whether or not they want to become a parent, and and specifically women becoming mothers, but this applies, I think, to men too, becoming fathers, is to do all the work you can do first on the inside when it comes to detaching yourself from the cultural narrative. And that is the narrative that says that there is some kind of inherent worth or value in being a mother. For so long, we've heard this old idea that somehow it's selfish if you decide not to become a mom. And I think that's absolutely ridiculous. And that's one piece of the narrative. The other is that you can't have a meaningful life if you don't have children. That's also 
absolutely false. And, and that's false, even though it's also true that many people who have children will tell you it's a deeply, deeply meaningful experience. And one of the things I've written about in my Dear Sugar column, in a, in a couple of columns that, that address this issue directly, this idea of, of like, well, you know, the deal is this, if you have kids, it's going to probably be a very, very meaningful and beautiful and powerful experience that will teach you perhaps more than anything else in your life teaches you. If you don't have kids, you'll have some other experience that will be that thing for you, right? That there are things that you don't get to do and don't get to see and don't get to experience when you have kids. And there are things that you don't get to do and don't get to see and don't get to experience when you do have kids. So I think that's important to remember that, you know, the, 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 my approach to this kind of big decision making is just to simply acknowledge that there are gains and losses in either path. Both have value, both have meaning. Your job is to uncover which one seems more meaningful to you. What does your life look like with kids? What does it look like without them? What does it look like for you to be somebody at age 60 who never had that experience of parenthood or motherhood? And how does that feel? You know, sit with that for a while. How does the reverse feel? You know, for me, I think one of the things that was most complicated for me when I became a mom or when I was, you know, in the process of becoming a mother was that I didn't have this clear drive to to hang out with babies or children. You know, I was kind of like, yeah. I don't really know that I am that into kids. And but what happened, my decision to become pregnant uh, with my first child was that, you know, I just kept thinking, I don't want to miss out on this big life experience. You know, I've heard so much about parenting and mothering. I don't want to miss it. And when I was pregnant, I, I thought, geez, I hope this, I hope I made the right decision. And, you know, what, what I learned is that I love babies. I had no idea. Or maybe I just love my babies. <laughs> you know, it, it, it ended up being the best decision of my life. But what I can tell you is that it wasn't clear to me at the time that I was making the decision. That's really telling. And also, you know, I think something that we talk about a lot here at Bustle, and it's certainly come up in this episode, is the idea of sacrifice. We still don't have paid leave in this country. There's still a lot of gender disparity just across the board. And women kind of get the shits under the stick still um, when they decide to become mothers. So I think some of the fear that people are having or the ambivalence is about the fact that you have to sacrifice so much. And the question is, is it worth it? (laughs) Oh, my God. Well, there's no support in our society, really, for women and children. You know, we don't have access to reasonable childcare. We don't have any kind of real meaningful maternity or paternity leave. It's a very big deal to have a baby. And, you know, in addition to those economic and cultural things, bias is still very strong when it comes to the mother being considered the primary caregiver in a lot of contexts, you know, and even in relationships like my own, uh, a very feminist egalitarian relationship. I would say now that our kids are older, my husband and I have very equally shared the care, but in those first few years of their lives, it was almost impossible to do that because I was the one who was literally giving them food through my body, breastfeeding and all of those things. And so, yeah, it's a, it's a very complicated question for women in particular, because you use this word sacrifice and that's what parenting is. 
Now, of course, you also get a lot back. You know, I think sometimes when you think about before you have kids, you think only about the things you're going to give up. What you're often forgetting in that equation is how much you will get back. I would say that a shocking amount has had to be sacrificed to raise my kids. A shocking amount has been received. And the thing that I've received, you know, it's a kind of intangible. It's that feeling of having that deep, profound love. It's nothing that I can kind of measure by any scale that's available to us. Whereas I can say, yeah, I wasn't able to take that opportunity or do that job or write that book because I was busy with the kids. Um, Now, obviously, I've still managed to do all those things, right? But it's a juggling act. And it's hard. In my case, you know, I do have a husband who really is an equal partner. That has made so much possible in my life. Not every woman has a partner who is either able or willing to do that, okay? I have a single mom friend. Her parents are super active in her life. So even though she's a single mother, really, she actually has two other adults in her life who are very much part of the children's lives. She has more childcare than me. She has free childcare. So there's not one piece of advice that applies to everyone. It's really an actual examination of what are the circumstances of your life? Who are the people who are going to actually be able to help you with a child? Because you will need help. And what resources do you have? It's about community and making sure you have people around that will help you um, if that's your decision. And I think that this has been so helpful. So thank you, Cheryl. And where can people hear what you're working on and what you're doing next? Well, I'm working on another book, which is a quiet, a quiet, quiet, lonely job. So nobody can go find it yet. But just know it's in progress. I also have a a podcast called Dear Sugars, in which I give advice with my co-host, Steve Allman. And, you know, you can find me online. I, I put lots of cute dog and cat pictures on my Instagram (laughs) and sometimes sometimes cute kid pictures too my kids even though they're like teens and preteens now they're still as cute as can be (laughs) great well thank you so much (laughs) thank you so I guess that's my answer no matter what happens I still get to be me which means things will be okay For anyone out there listening who might also be in this in-between place, I hope this has been a comfort for you too. That's it for today's show. If you liked what you heard today, or even if you didn't, leave us a five-star review on iTunes. You should also join the Bustle Huddle Facebook group to continue the conversation. Let us know what issues you want us to dive into on future episodes. And stay tuned, because Cheryl will be back later this season. Next week, for the 4th of July, we're talking about what it means to be all-American, especially when it comes to beauty and style for Latinx women. Latina beauty is, to me, not trying to take marketed white mass trends and like kind of fit them around yourself, but more so find what works for you and learn to think that that's beautiful on its own. One more thing. There's this amazing PSA that just went live with Equality Now, all about standing up for the real women who are the victims of sexual violence, FGM, forced marriage, and sex trafficking. We urge you to check it out at equalitynow.org forward slash hope lives in every name. The Bustle Huddle is produced by Julia Shu, Michaela Heck, and Anna Parsons. I'm your host, Caitlin Aber, and I will see you next week.